Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Hey! That was dope. I hadn't seen that yet. That was fire. How you guys feeling? We got to do it again. How are you guys feeling? There we go. Anybody uh, attend the pop-up shop? Anybody get any of the new merch? Hey. So just so you guys know, we're going to be releasing some more Fusion merch. We're going to continue dropping designs. I think that it's really important for us to continue to find ways to connect with what we're doing here and to represent it outside of here. So the current design that we have is inspired by the series that we started the year with called Firestarter. You guys remember that? And this design says, fire in my soul. I think that it's a perfect description of what we're going for here. Um, Is to not just come in here, lift our hands and sing a couple songs, hear a couple messages and then go back to life as usual, but My prayer is that you guys will leave here with a fire in your soul. That you will continue to grow your relationship with Jesus to the point that it's like a fire burning inside of you. Does anybody know what that feels like? Some of you guys, I I relate to athletes a lot because athletes continuously have a goal. So we did uh, a message some months ago where I was talking about Tom Brady and how he was so focused on playing to win. And not everybody was a Tom Brady fan. However, we could all respect the discipline that goes behind it. There's something about somebody who wakes up in the morning with a plan, with a goal, with a fire burning inside of them to accomplish something. And I think that the generation that we're in right now, we wrestle with that a lot. So many of us want a life of purpose. We want a life of significance. We want to be burning for something, but so many of us are confused as to what we should be burning for. Should we be going after success? Should we be going after significance in some way that the world defines? Sometimes we're looking on social media, we're reading books, we're reading all types of things, looking at documentaries, looking for something purposeful to do, and I believe after living a little bit of life, after trying a few different things, you guys have heard a lot of my story about navigating music and then the business world, entrepreneurship, all these things. I know what it's like to wake up in the morning and have a desire for something, to be disciplined, to work towards something, but nothing compares to knowing your purpose in Jesus and waking up and living to accomplish what he wants you to do in life. And so we're in this series called Reveal. And we're talking about the truth because that's what we're looking for. Everybody is looking for the truth. What is the truth? So many people are trying to find it. We're in a society now that allows everybody to have truths which contradicts the definition of truth. You can't have more than one truth. That's not truth, that's an opinion. That's a conclusion. Everybody can have conclusions, people can have answers, but there can only be one truth. And there is a man named Jesus who 2,000 years ago showed up on earth performed all types of miracles that nobody else had seen, fulfilled things that were prophesied about him hundreds of years before he ever showed up, raised people from the dead, healed the sick, healed the blind, healed the deaf, healed leprosy in an ancient world, was crucified by the Roman government. Do you guys know that crucifixion was so brutal that they didn't allow Roman citizens to be crucified. No matter how bad your crime was, 
they wouldn't allow you to be crucified as a Roman citizen. It was so bad. It was so brutal. It's the most, that's where we get the term excruciating from. It's crucifixion. The pain is so terrible. It's the worst way to die created in human history. The Roman government, were, they were scientists, and they created a way to die that was the most torturous way possible. And we know, we know that at the least, whether you believe the Bible or not, what we do know is that there was a man named Jesus who showed up. He performed miracles. He was crucified. And then he was seen again after he died. Now, before he was crucified, he said a lot of things. He said, repent, which means change your mind because the kingdom of God is here. That was pretty much his elevator pitch. That was the, his, his message compounded into a short sentence. Repent because the kingdom of God is here. Change your mind. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is here. There's a higher authority that's operating and it's invading. So then he's crucified, he's seen after that, and then you have all these guys who walked through life with him, who saw him do all these things, saw him crucified, saw him die, saw him buried in a tomb, and then saw the tomb empty. But not just saw the tomb empty, they saw him. And over 500 people witnessed Jesus be alive after being dead. And this is attested to by, by history. Historians, even if they don't believe that he was God, what they do know is historically, there was a man named Jesus. He showed up, he lived, we know he was crucified and we know that people saw him afterwards. Now over 500 people saw him at one time. Do you guys know that rules out the option of a hallucination? If there were just a bunch of people who said, oh yeah, I saw him and I saw him, no, 500 people saw him at one time. It's impossible for 500 people to hallucinate the same thing at the same time. It rules it out. There's a movie, started as a documentary and has a book called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. You guys might wanna check that out, but it, it's, it documents a, a reporter who was strongly atheist and his wife got saved, and he goes on the hunt to try to disprove the case for Jesus Christ. To, to, to wrap it up for you, by the end, he's converted because he can't, he investigates it. And so the first message in this series, we talked about pursuing the truth and how we can't be an ignorant people. If we claim to follow Jesus, we can't just, affiliate ourselves with the name. We can't just associate ourselves with cultural Christianity. That's not, that's not what he came to talk about. He didn't say, associate yourself with my name. Associate yourself with my culture. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Allow me to change your mind and reveal the truth to you. I'll see you. <laughs> he says, God says in, in Jeremiah, he says, when you seek me wholeheartedly, then you will find me. And so the reality is that there's a truth. And as a Christian, I didn't fall upon this whimsically. I didn't just fall into belief and following Jesus. I made a decision based on what was put in front of me and based on my experience with him. And I can attest to you that as I've pursued God, he's continued to reveal himself to me. We talked about how God reveals the truth as we pursue it. But if you are just settling for answers, you'll find those. Answers will present themselves at your doorstep. 
People will be willing to tell you what your purpose is. People are willing to tell you all types of answers. But the truth is what sets you free. The truth is that we are in need of a savior. Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven, lived on earth, and then paid the price for our sins. And so we talked about pursuing the truth. Then we talked about last week, we talked about staying salty, being the salt of the earth, preserving the truth, and how God wants to use you as an agent to preserve his truth and to prevent decay, prevent the people around you from decaying, from death, from destruction, because that's what the truth does. But our lives have to actually reflect what we believe because nobody's actually going to take you seriously if your life does not reflect what you claim to believe. You could put on a jersey, that doesn't make you a Laker. If you're not at the practices, if you're not in the games, if you don't have a contract, you can wear the jersey. That does not make you a part of the team. However, we live in a society of people wearing the Jesus jersey but they're not doing what he actually says makes you a follower of him. They are not in covenant with him. They don't have that contract, that agreement. That's what he came for, is a covenant with you. A covenant is an agreement. It's higher than a contract. It's when blood is on the line. It's when a life is on the line. You lay down your life as a covenant. That's why marriage is a covenant. It's for life. There's no getting out of it. That's how God designed it. And so I wanted to talk to you guys tonight. We talked about pursuing the truth. We talked about preserving the truth. And I wanted to talk to you guys tonight about sharing the truth. And that's not easy for us. And the truth is real. And so I'm like, God, this is... This is heavy. So I'm, I'm literally praying like, all right, God, all of this is uh, pretty serious. How do you want me to communicate this? How do you want me to communicate this truth to people? And I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what? What you did to reveal difficult truths to people is you put them in parables. You put them in relatable things to our society that we could understand. And so I'm like, give me some type of Parable, some type of parallel, some way to bring this to life to people, some way to relate it. And so I started thinking about, you guys know that before I came here, I was doing personal training. And I was working with a lot of MMA fighters, and they train, for real. But the gym was not just for fighters, it was also for people who just want to come in and work out. And so as a personal trainer, I was the person that people would seek out when they want to get in shape. Have any of you guys ever worked with a personal trainer before? Do any of you guys enjoy working with a personal trainer? It's not easy. You got to come in there. You got to actually do some work. People come in for all different types of reasons. Some people would come in because they were going on vacation. So for me, you know, I, for instance, I'm getting married June 29th, 2019 to a beautiful woman inside and out. I could do a whole message about her, but I, I won't do that tonight. And one day, one day. But we both know this wedding's coming up. We both know we got a honeymoon coming up. So both of us have been in the gym a little bit more. Getting right. And so sometimes you go to the gym for that reason. Sometimes it's like, yo, I know we're going to be on a beach somewhere. But then some people would come in for, for things as serious as a, as a doctor's diagnosis. And they'd come in and be like, yo, I have to get in shape. I don't have an option anymore. I have a diagnosis where the doctor says that my life will not continue if I don't get in here and get in shape. And so that's a wide spectrum of reasons that you can come into the gym. 
this has been a phenomenon, the gym. It's only been around for probably 50, 60 years that commercial gyms have been around. And fitness has become an industry to the point that there's been a ton of nonsense put out. And so the fitness industry has taken what is just normal human existence. We need to be active. We need to eat healthy. And the fitness industry has turned it into pretty much a game. And so I wanted to just share with you guys just a couple of the things that the fitness industry has done with this whole concept of getting in shape. One of the things, I actually have a picture of it that we were going to put on the screen. In the 1970s, we had something called the air shorts. Boom! So people would actually wear these, and the concept was they would just make you sweat a lot. They were super hot. And so... People thought that they would get in shape. Look at how they're smiling. People, I don't know where they went in these. I don't know where they were going. This is a real thing. I promise you, this is real. People were buying them. This is the 70s. You know things were a little different back then. There were some, uh, I'm not going to leave that alone. But things were a little different back then. People's judgment was compromised. And people would actually wear these. Uh, another thing, more, more recently, we had uh, weight loss sunglasses. Boom. So this is based on the concept that, mind you, with, with the last thing, sweating a lot does not make you lose weight. You cannot sweat out your weight. You sweat out the water in your body, and then you drink water again, and then you got the water back in your body. So <laughs> this was revolutionary. This is weight loss sunglasses because the color blue apparently minimizes your appetite. And so this, putting on blue sunglasses would make you not want to eat burgers because you'd look at a burger and be like, I don't like that burger when I'm looking at it through a blue lens. So now I'm going to eat rice. Interesting phenomenon. The last thing that I want to talk about is the The treadmill bike, it's fascinating. So this is a real thing that really exists. You're not biking, you're not on a treadmill. You're on a treadmill that's a bike. And so you're walking while rolling. I don't know, it seems really dangerous actually. But these are all the things, the the fitness industry has turned this into pretty much a game. All types of gimmicks, charades, and they just perpetuate misinformation to sell you things. So what I would have to do as a personal trainer is first and foremost, before we do a workout plan, before we do a workout, before we do a nutrition plan, before we measure anything, before we step on a scale. First, we had to start with the truth. I had to start with the foundation of changing people's perspective that whatever you came in here thinking you know is probably wrong. And this isn't a get fit quick scheme. It's simple. The process is simple, but it's not easy. And there's only one way. Science works a particular way. One of the main things that I had to change people's perspective on is food. Because of the society we live in, what's marketed to us is food is just a tool to please ourselves with. And so when you think about what you're going to eat, What do you say? What do I have a taste for? What am I in the mood for? I think I'll have Chinese. Maybe I'll have pizza. And then you see these commercials, the hot pizza, they're flipping the dough. They're coming up with all types of sayings, jingles that get stuck in your head. Hungry, why wait? Grab a Snickers. 
You're not yourself when you're hungry. (laughs) Grab a Snickers. And we hear all these messages, and it starts actually shaping the perspective in our minds of how to operate, how to live. And so you can, even when people would come in and say, I've been eating healthy, I'd be like, "Uh." (laughs) first, we need to redefine that for you. Because if you're just going based on what it says on the package, things that say healthy choice are not always healthy for you. And so the, the primary purpose of food is fuel for your body. Not just stuff to have fun with. There is a pleasure aspect of food. That's why even in the Bible they're feasting. When we, when we get to Jesus, there's a marriage supper, a feast. One of the first things that God gave Adam was food. He said, hey, man, everything that comes up out of the ground, this is for you. But it's to fuel you because you got stuff to do. And your body needs fuel. But your perspective, all these years later, six, 7,000 years later, is if I'm hungry, I can grab a candy bar. If I'm thirsty, I can grab a soda. And so your perspective can be so far off from the original intent for something. And so I would have to address people's perspective on the truth in three particular areas. The first one is the truth about the current condition that they're in. I would have to communicate to them to, so that they would understand the current condition that they're in because most people don't really understand even that simple truth. The current condition that you're in is you have no understanding of how the world around you works. You have no understanding of how food actually works. And once you understand it, then you can use it properly. The next thing is I had to talk to them about the truth of their desired outcome. Because when you're stepping into this, I wanted them to understand that this is not just a let's get abs for the summer. Um, This should actually be a shift in the way that you live. Because there's a lot more on the line than just how you look. How long you live is on the line. Whether you can play with your kids when you have kids is on the line. Whether you're around for those kids is on the line. God has designed you for a purpose and whether you actually live that thing out is on the line. If God gave you, if God just showed up at your crib, right, just walked in, yo! I got something for you. You step outside in your driveway. He has a car for you. Beautiful car. I I know. It's beautiful, right? That would be awesome. He's like, hey, I got this car for you. I want you to drive from here in Atlanta. I got something for you to do in New York. I want you to drive this car there. It'll, It'll get you there. You just... What would you do? You would probably, you would probably take care of that thing, right? If God showed up and gave you a car, you wouldn't trash it. You'd probably put the premium gas in. Pull up, get the synthetic oil change. Full synthetic, please. Not the standard. Nah. Full synthetic. Got this car from God. You're going to make sure the tires are right on it. Make sure they're not bald. You can actually stop. You can turn if you need to. You're going to make sure it's straight. All right, okay, cool. So you guys understand that. God created you and gave you a vehicle that you're walking around in. And then he gave you instructions 
on how to operate that vehicle. What's good for it, what's not good for it. How to take care of it. Because he has a destination for you to get to. If you were trying to get from Atlanta to New York, you would want to make sure that the car could make it. If you're trying to get from where you are to where he's taking you, don't you want to make sure that you can make it? So it's a shift of perspective in how you take care of yourself, your desired outcome, where God's actually taking you, where you were designed to go. And then the third thing that I would need to talk to them about is the way to get there is a, is a lot different than probably what you've been doing and what you even might think is the way to get there. So I want to talk about those three areas tonight in tonight's message called sharing the truth based on how I would share the truth with my clients. So in Romans 1.16, y'all know it, 116, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. So we're in this series, Reveal, talking about how the truth is revealed as we pursue it. And our pursuit of God will always be a revelation. That's where that term comes from. I know we hear it a lot in church, but it it really is the process by which we get to know God is he reveals himself to us and he reveals things to us. So one of the things that... Jesus did, when he showed up, one of his primary points that he would go to is to reveal to us our current condition. So one thing that we all need to know, we all need the truth about our natural condition. And so when you want to share the truth with people, you have to know the truth. And that's what I want to help impart to you guys tonight, because we have to be able to know what we're talking about. And in the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the righteousness of God is revealed. So Romans 5.12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. Death, it ushered death into creation. It ushered death into existence. You were never supposed to die. Humans were never supposed to die. That was not a part of the original creation. But when Adam sinned, when he disobeyed God, when he deviated from the original intent, when he had deviated from God's original purpose, the God who we need to be fair, the God who we need to be just, in his justice, punish that sin. And death entered the world. And so death spread to everyone because everyone sinned. So that's our natural condition. Romans 1.18, actually, I, I wanna just speak on that. Our natural condition, in case you didn't grab that, is we have all sinned, And we are all subject to death in our natural condition. And so the world around you, we're not really at a lack of information. In fact, we have more information than any other generation, and we have it at the tips of our fingers. If we want information, we can get it. What we're at a lack of is revelation of the truth, and so many of us are unaware of our actual condition. And so when you're speaking to people, many times as Christians, when you're trying to talk to somebody about the truth, you are trying to tell somebody a solution that they don't know that they want to a problem they don't know that they have. Jesus told us a solution we did not know that we wanted to a problem we did not know that we had. 
because we're so far removed from the original sin that this is just normal to us. Death is normal. We see death every day. And it's normal. We know that it's inevitable. But God will reveal the truth to you as you pursue it. So in our natural condition, apart from God, we're sinful and we're dead. Can I keep it real with y'all tonight? And just say what the Bible says? So Romans 1.18, this is, this is going to be a long scripture, but I want you guys to understand this because this actually outlines what we've seen happen in our country, what we've, had, what we've seen happen in our society, in our world. It outlines it from top to bottom. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. We all know what it's like to suppress the truth by our wickedness. It's, I know I'm supposed to do this in relation to somebody trying to get in shape. I know that the truth is, if I eat this thing, this is not going to get me where I want to go. But I will suppress that truth and do it anyway. And do what I want to do. I've experienced it plenty of times. We know. I, I guarantee all of you guys have heard money doesn't make you happy. Right? But how many of us suppress that truth and run after it anyway? And we let it consume our lives. We'll suppress it because it's like, mm, that might not be true. Mm, they look happy with all their money. Suppress the truth that I know and chase. And so when you have God, now imagine, imagine you're God, right? Matter of fact, I'll put it in a, a, a other terms. How many of you guys have dogs? How many of you guys love your dog? Not really? Okay, all right. Well, for those of you who do love your dog, you'll understand. And for those of you who don't, imagine you have a dog that you love. Right? Imagine you have a pet that you love. Now, you get this little puppy as a little baby, little baby puppy. You feed it. You kind of set up boundaries for it. You don't want it running out in the street, getting run over by a car, so you, you place it in boundaries. You're feeding it. You got to correct it so that it doesn't, you know, use the bathroom all over your place, be like, hey, that's not, that's not allowed here <laughs> in my presence. You can't just be doing all that. That's disrespectful to, to my presence. You can't, you can't do that. And now if your dog does it anyway, what do you do? Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> Discipline is necessary. It has to, I, I got to be, you know, I can't just let the dog do whatever it wants. I, this is my dog. And this is my house. I have taken this dog that could not fend for itself, could not feed itself, could not wash itself, could not protect itself. And I've placed it in my home. And I've paid for its food. And all I want is for it to respect the, the healthy boundaries that I've set up. Now, if you have a dog that just will not respect the boundaries, is that dog going to stay in your home? No. All right, so let's get back to the scripture. So God shows his anger from heaven, righteous anger, a good God who's done nothing but good, shows his anger from heaven against all sinful. That means disobedient, 
wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, by just doing what they want to do. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. That dog knows it didn't feed itself. That dog knows it didn't build this house. Dog, where do you think this house came from? You didn't build it, and your dog mom didn't build it. This is my house, and I've allowed you into my house. You know the truth. It's obvious that you didn't make this. It's obvious that you just showed up here. None of us. I'm going to just let this. I'm going to let the scripture talk for itself. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. The dog has seen the couch, man. Come on. You know you didn't make this couch. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So all of us have no excuse for not going on when we just look around. This is what God says. Look around. You have no excuse for not believing in me. Look at your hand move. Look at thoughts go through your head. Where do you think that came from? Oh, but because I put a boundary around you. Oh, because the dog, you, you won't let it run around all in the street. You put a fence around it. It feels like, oh, you can cage me in. <laughs> Trying to live my own life. I didn't ask for you to love me and take care of me. I want to do my own thing. Let me out this fence. Hop the fence. Out here starving. God created dogs too, so he created this analogy. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. Dog wouldn't even say thank you. You cleaning up. You putting food in the bowl. You putting him in the bathtub. I can't get a little lick on the face or something? A thank you? Man. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Now imagine if dogs could make statues. And your dog just over here making a little statue of dogs and being like, thank you. Thank you, dog God, for just feeding me and putting, putting food in my bowl, giving me this house. And you over here like, bruh, you think this little dog statue that you made? You do, you do know you made this. You think this is your God. Okay, so, yeah, y'all like, yeah, that dog would be crazy. So you think that money that you created, human beings have created, is where your security lies? You think your bank account at Chase, <laughs> built by man, Sustained by man, has the security that you need in life. God's like, look around. Y'all are making stuff and then putting your trust in it. 
She said, that was like really good. God is good. All the time and all the time. Okay, Fusion. Y'all better act like you know him. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. All right, dog, you're going to disrespect me. All I did was ask you to not use the bathroom on my carpet. I asked you to not bite people. It's pretty much all I ask you to do and not run away because that's bad for you. But you want to worship this little dog statue that you got. You want to put all your trust and your security in the bowl that I fill with food. All right. Do your thing. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they took the truth of what's obvious. Okay, there's clearly a God who created us and gave it, exchanged it for a lie. The lie that we have everything that we need within ourselves. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Paul just had to say amen in the middle of it. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, Greed. So you, so you see that as a society, a lot of times we'll look at the, oh, that's, that's what they're doing, the sexual stuff. Oh, well, if that's not me, then I'm good. But he says that their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy. Oh, now it's, now it's coming to your front door. Because we've all experienced at least those. Murder. Quarreling. That's a wickedness? Arguing with each other? Deception. Malicious behavior and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. Disobedience to your parents is wicked? Oh, yeah, it's in the Ten Commandments. Honor your mother and father. Oh, he wasn't playing? Facts. They refuse to understand. They break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. So in short, apart from God, we are dead. I would love to put this in more sweet and appealing terms, but the truth is the truth. Apart from God, this is what our lives look like. 
we become less and less like him. If you want to know what God is like, go and put the opposite to all of those descriptions. The further we get from him, the further that we get from his instruction, the more we become like this. And worse, we don't even know that it's wrong. God created us, created a place for us, wants relationship with us, and our willful rejection of him is what separates us from him. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so... That covers the first part of the issue. We're trying to explain to people a problem that they don't know that they have. You're actually, all of these behaviors are a reflection of your separation from the God who created you, who loves you, and it's a, and it's a reflection of lack of relationship with him. It's a reflection of you not knowing him when your life looks this way. And when... You're disobedient, that actually ushers death into your life. And so one of the biggest struggles that we have is apart from God, we're dead. And so when you are trying to explain the gospel, the truth about Jesus to somebody who has no relationship with him, it's like talking to a dead body and telling it that it should come to life. That's the reality of when you're talking to somebody who's spiritually dead. And this is not to provoke some type of elitism in us to feel like, oh, we're better than people and those people are just trash. No, this is describing all of us and our natural condition is we refuse to understand. And apart from God's spirit waking us up, we can't come to life. We talked about a few weeks ago how God breathed into Adam the breath of life. It was, he was a limp, lifeless body until God breathed his spirit into him. And God is wanting to breathe his spirit into a dead, limp, lifeless society that's separated from him. But we have to know what the condition is, be able to speak his word, and know that it's his spirit that brings people to life. If you are a follower of Jesus, that is a miracle. It says the gift of God is eternal life. If you follow him, if you believe in him, that's a miracle. God has actually resurrected you from the dead. Your natural condition is dead and don't even know it. So the second thing that we need to know the truth about is we all need the truth about our desired outcome. Because of this dead condition, our society only understands in part. It's like a veil that's over your eyes. The word reveal, when I was looking up the etymology of it, it actually means to reverse the veil. To reveal. So you're looking at when you're just born into this world, apart from God, you're looking at life through a veil that's over your eyes. And so you'll understand bits and pieces and so even psychologists, you guys have probably heard me mention a few times Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I know that this is, this is a lesson right here, but I need you guys to understand because I don't want us to be ignorant out here because the stakes are high. This is death and life for people. And God has actually revealed the truth to us. And so Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's, it's used by a lot of psychologists to understand the basic human needs as we understand it apart from God. You have physiological needs. These are biological requirements for human survival. You know you need air. You know you need food. You know you need water. Safety needs. You know you need shelter. You want some type of protection from the elements. Nobody wants to be outside in a blizzard with nothing. You want some shelter. It's natural to you. That's a human need. Once you have those, you have your physiological needs, you have your safety needs met. Let me put it in your terms. When you have maybe the job that you want, maybe you have the money that you need, maybe you have the, the, the security that you feel like you need, the next thing that you'll need in life, your needs always keep increasing. The next thing that you'll need is love and belongingness. So that's where the, mo the majority of 
our world is, is, okay, we're chasing money, we're chasing success, we're chasing some type of security. Now we need something to belong to. We need somebody to love us. After that, once you have somebody to love you, then you need self-esteem. You need some type of dignity, some type of achievement. And then you want self-actualization. That's a need that you'll have after that is, I want to be the most I could possibly be. And the reality is, is this is a glimpse of what we need. And the reality is that God is the source of all these things, right? God is the source of all of these things because he's created you, he sustains you. But there's a need that they don't talk about. We have a need for eternal life that so many of us don't even think about because all we're focused on is this maybe 70 to 100 years if God sustains you that long here on this earth. And that's all we think about. That's all we invest in. We want to save up money so that our kids can have money and they could be good for like 70 years and then their kids can be good for like 70 years and then Jesus had to step out of heaven like, look, you guys don't even understand that this is really temporary and then there's a whole eternity after this. So Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men, that it's, it's, in, it's in us. And so many of us are going after it and we don't even realize that's what we're going after. That's why you have all these different man-made religions. It's why you have this new humanism idea that we are what we need in ourselves and the universe is providing for us. The, the inanimate universe that doesn't have a personality, but it does notice when we do things and it does act on our behalfs, but it doesn't hold us accountable to anything. Wow. So we just make up these ideas and that's where God says that they, become, they begin to make up foolish ideas of what God is actually like. Because eternity is set in our hearts. And what's to be known about God, his eternal power. We know that there's eternity and, but we'll suppress it and just make up a truth for ourselves. And so the reality is that heaven and hell are both real, and they are both places that we go willingly. And so I know, I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. But we need to understand these things. So eternity is set in our hearts. We talk about heaven, we talk about hell, and a lot of times we talk about that as, you know, do you know if you're going to heaven? Do you know if you're going to hell? And people just think of this like ethereal destination that's like, ah, that doesn't even seem real. Let me explain to you what it is. You will either choose to have a relationship with God who's extending himself to you, who says that what's to be known about him is actually obvious and you know really what you need to know in order to have a relationship with him. If you seek him, you'll find him. He's here, he wants to reveal himself to you. And if you choose to seek him, if you choose to have a relationship with him, when you die, when your physical body dies, that relationship will continue into eternity. It'll be just like stepping into a new reality with your relationship with God at a new level. However, if you choose to reject him here, if you choose separation from God here, when you, when you die, you will step right into that separation and it will continue for all of eternity. God will not force you to be in relationship with him in eternity if you didn't want to be in relationship with him here. Does that, does that even make sense? You say, I don't want God, I don't believe in God. Then you die and he's like, okay, come on. Let's be in relationship now even though you don't want to. Again, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. It's a free gift from God. Jesus knows that this is what we need, and this is what he came for. And so we all need to understand the truth about our actual desired outcome. A lot of people come into the gym thinking that they just need a six-pack and don't realize that they need an entire life change. And that the truth is that they need their health intact. They need wellness. There's vitality. There's a better life available for them if they're willing to actually accept it and commit to it. We need, I need to be real with them about the desired outcome. Look, this might not be what you think it is. Let me lay this all out for you. Last, we all need to know the truth about the way to our desired outcome. And so you want eternity. Everybody wants it. I know very few people who don't desire some connection to the spiritual realm. The popular thing now is I'm spiritual, I'm just not religious. Yeah, I got my own relationship with God. It's just me and him and only God can judge me. 
However, there's a guy named Jesus who, who showed up here, who lived among us, who people saw, who did miracles, who was crucified and was crucified innocently and didn't dispute the charges. Why? Because he knew the price that he was actually paying for, and that was yours. And so he willingly was crucified, even without being on any charges. And then people saw him resurrect. And so I heard uh, Andy Stanley said, my high school science teacher said that there is no God. However, my high school science teacher didn't die and then resurrect to prove that he was God. So I'm going to believe Jesus. The resurrection, I mean, think about it. A lot of us are so far removed from it because we hear all these things like this is based in mythology or whatever, but even educated people, as Ravi Zacharias, a popular apologist, the defender of the faith would say, he would say that's a sophomoric conclusion. That's just, it's just ignorant. People who have actually studied this, the most studied scholarly people are not going to debate whether Jesus was a myth. They're not going to debate whether he existed, whether he was crucified, whether he was seen after dying. They will just choose not to believe he's God. But they will not debate the truth. And so I just say if somebody was brutally murdered and then just walked about the grave... And said, I did that to prove that I'm God. And as a matter of fact, that brutal murder you guys just witnessed, I know you guys didn't know it, but I willingly did that because that is what you deserve. And the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. He didn't hold back. You're talking about a time in history where the most excruciating possible death was being executed. And of all the times that he could have entered, all the, all the spots on the timeline that he could have entered, he enters on that piece where they're executing that to be a representation of the wrath of God that is actually deserved by our willful rejection, our willful disobedience. Look at the grace of God, the love of God, that we could not pay the price for ourselves to pay him, so he paid it. God paid the price for us. He could have wiped us out, been like, nah, y'all got it wrong. He paid the price just to have a relationship with you. Resurrected to prove that he's God and has the power over life and death and has the power to preserve you from death. Though death entered the world through one man, Salvation also entered through one man named Jesus Christ. He came. He was seen. He paid the price. He was resurrected out of the grave. And he is the solution that we need. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. Everybody's on a journey. Everybody's on a path. Jesus says, I'm the journey. I, 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 know you, I know you have somewhere that you want to get to. I know that you want purpose. I know that you want significance. I know that you want eternal life. I know the things that you're desiring inside of you. Let me tell you, I, I'm the way. I'm the road. I'm the one to go down. And let me prove it to you. I'm going to resurrect from the dead. This is what we place our hope in as believers. Not made up fiction and myths. It's the reality that Jesus Christ came and proved that he was God and offered us the gift of eternal life because we all know there's something inside of you that knows that there's something on the other side of death. There's just something inside of you that knows it because God has planted eternity in your heart. You can suppress the truth by doing what you want to do. You can suppress the truth by being angry with God about something that he's done, something that he's allowed. But you know, deep down, he says, all people are without excuse. And I've proved my goodness to you. I've proven it to you. That I've paid the price just so you would not have to experience the death that you deserve. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
He didn't wait till we got it together. He didn't wait till we were doing a little bit better. While we were still sinners, he said, I'm going to pay the price. Even though they're going to continue sinning, some of them are going to appreciate what I've done. Some of them are going to want relationship. And so I'll pay the price for anybody, for whoever will believe. I'll pay the price for them. Romans 10.9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Do you guys see how the resurrection is so important in what we believe? It's not just Jesus died for your sins. Anybody can die. Anybody can be killed. There are a lot of people who get murdered. Nobody else can take authority over their own life to step back into life. To be like, no, not dead no more. Jesus is Lord. If you believe that in your heart and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And some of you guys are waiting on me to tell people. I want to. That's what I wake up in the morning focused on. It's all the people who don't know this, who don't understand this. There are a lot of things that I could be doing with my life. But there's nothing more important than people knowing Jesus. He's the way. Everybody's looking for a way. Jesus is the way. He'll put a fire on the inside of you when you actually have relationship with him because this is not some dead religion. This is a living God, a God who is alive, a God who will speak to you, a God who will respond. A God who's here right now, hearing these words, speaking to your heart, stirring something on the inside of you because you know this is true. So as we close tonight, I want to do something kind of similar to last week. I want us to get in small groups of people, and I know, I already know. Y'all like, nah, bruh. But this is, this could be one of the most important discussions you ever have what you do to affect eternity is the most important use of your life everything else you do here will die with this place earth will not be around forever and everything you do here for this place will die with it everything you do for eternity will continue into eternity. So I want you guys to know you can't do that on your own. You can't. We're weak. I'm weak. This convicts me. I'm no better than you. Man, if the reality is that God came to earth, if the reality is that God's anger is being revealed from heaven because we're willfully disobedient, but his love, his passionate love is also being revealed. The righteousness of God, the holiness of God is being revealed through the gospel, through the good news that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins so that we don't have to live that way, so that we can have relationship with him that extends into eternity. If that's true, people have to know this. What better way to spend my life than telling people, helping people to understand it? What better way to spend your life than to know that and to make that known? So I want everybody to get in groups of three, five, whatever you want to do. Just make sure you're in a group. And I want us to have some real conversation. I want us to have some honest conversation. There's nobody in this room who does not struggle with this in some way, who does not struggle with sharing the truth in some way. All of you guys are in different environments, different atmospheres. And because of the society that we live in, it's becoming increasingly less popular 
to believe in Jesus is becoming increasingly looked down upon. We are no longer viewed by society as the moral high ground. We are becoming viewed by society as the moral low ground, as the problem with society. When we have the solution to the death that is inevitable for people separated from God. So I want us to get together and just simply talk about the issue. What do you struggle with most when it comes to talking to people about Jesus? You may not believe in Jesus. I still want you to participate in that conversation because what do you struggle with most when it comes to talking with people about Jesus? When people try to talk to you about Jesus, what do you struggle with the most? What are you wrestling with in your heart right now? And then I want you guys to pray with each other. And that's gonna be how we end tonight. I'll come back up at some point, close out. But I'm gonna pray, and then I want you guys to talk. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you prayed that your church, your followers would be one as you and the Father are one. Lord, you prayed that we would get together, that we would share what we're struggling with, that we would share and confess things to one another and that we would pray with one another. And you said when two or three gather in your name, you are in the midst. And if two or three ask anything in your name, it will be given to them. So Lord, we, we're gonna live like we believe that tonight. We're gonna believe, live like we believe that we can't do this on our own because you said we can't. So Lord, I ask that you would bless these conversations. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.